It's time for Yusuf on security. Good to have you back. In this week's episode, is about what is giving us privacy at the heart of security. That is encryption algorithm. As computer power and speed improves, so is the danger of this algorithm being broken. We need alternatives that can withstand them being compromised. We need resistant algorithms. In addition to that, we will recap a couple of of top-of-mind security news and then get into the detail of this week's episode. But first, Lenovo releases firmware update to fix remote code execution flows. Phishing campaign that bypasses multi-factor authentication is our next story. All that coming up next on Yusuf on Security. This is Yusuf on Security, episode 76, recorded Saturday, 16th of July, 2022. NIST's Quantum Resistant Algorithm. Lenovo. Lenovo released the firmware update to fix an RC flaws, and that is remote code execution. As you know, Lenovo produces a huge amount of hardware uh, in terms of laptops, specifically these days, which are the workhorse of a lot of corporate environment. And these vulnerabilities are in the UEFI, and that is the Unify Extensible Firmware Interface. These are the codes that loads when you boot your machine, and it affects more than 70 models of Lenovo laptops. All three vulnerability, of which there are three, are buffer overflows. And buffer overflow is those techniques that I described multiple times that really takes advantage of the resources allocated to the programs as they run. And those are abused. Those locations, those storage are overloaded with code in such a case that those codes will overspill i.e. overflow to other part of the computer system, which then executes an arbitrary code that is not designed to be run that way. And those could be exploited to allow essentially execution of code, what is typically referred to arbitrary code execution. And Lenovo has since made firmware updates available. It includes a table of models which of the three vulnerability are impacted them. And those 70 are impacted by a recorded CVE, that's the common vulnerability and exposure, which is number 2022-1892. And specifically, it really touches a subsystem, which is a driver called System Boot Manager DXE. Really, the fix is simple, is to go and get those updated. Back in April, Lenovo addressed those vulnerabilities with a firmware update and they have been been available ever since. It's time to make sure that really the entirety of your assets um, of those systems are, are updated. And I will include a number of further readings, but also the um, updates from Lenovo um, website. Our next story is a, a type of a phishing 
um, campaign that hasn't been seen before. And this has been researched and essentially made public uh, by Microsoft. Of course, multi-factor authentication bypassing technique has been with us for some time now. But the researchers from Microsoft have discovered this campaign, which allows them to bypass the 2FA, which really is what is making us stronger against just the use of this single username and password. The attacks are targeted, and this is why Microsoft really went full on. They are targeted Office 365 users, the largest, of course, um, email system providing um, cloud-based environment. And more than, according to them, 10,000 organizations have been targeted since September 2021. And that is just a shy of um, a year by few months. Microsoft termed the way that this is executed as a, quote, adversary in the middle phishing attack. Um, And we know man in the middle attack. So you can deduce from that something is getting in the way between the user and the resources that they're actually trying to access. And this is all to steal password, hijack, signing sessions and bypass essentially the authentication process provided by the multi-factor authentication. And this has been really in the news, so much so that um, the at RSA this year, um, SANS have actually um, used one of their um, keynote presentations to be um, to cover this issue, the, the MFA bypass attack, um, which really is highlighting, yes, um, absolutely, the two-factor authentication is the bread and butter for us to be secure against, as I said, just the username and password. But nevertheless, um, it doesn't stand on its own because it has a myriad of way to get closer to the crown jewel. So therefore, um, if the whole system is not really put in place in such a manner that no weakness exists, um, then obviously it's very strong. But the opposite of that is when there are shortcuts and oversights is where things really get brittle. And 99.9 of credentials stealing attacked are dwarfed by, um, you know, the actual use um, of the multi-factor authentication. And to a large degree, we hear only when there are bad things that are happening. That's human nature. But we never hear the amount of attack um, that the MFA really um, protects us against. And it's something to be really um, used and encouraged rather than grabbing headlines such as the one I'm actually covering. Um, The attack isn't particularly new, by the way, and there has been a lot of writings quite a while, and and, and maybe this is another twist um, to... uh, ensure that multi-factor authentication is circumvented. By no means this is a flaw or a weakness in the multi-factor authentication. It's the surrounding system and how things are used um, that actually makes the multi-factor authentication weak. And that is to say the, the goal of this attacker is to steal the session cookies, not the, not the authentication credentials per se. Let me just describe on a high level what is going on. A standard phishing um, um, attack uses a sort of a approach, um, a kit, if you like, um, and this is loaded onto a spoofed website. Um, that 
is very similar to the target employees or environments website, including the brands, and they impersonate essentially that environment with some of the phishing pages almost identical to the to the um, to the victim, and these tools that they use then capture information as those informations are typed meaning entered into into the website those are then harvested and and these phishing sites can be very similar really you can't tell the difference they can they are essentially really cloned and you, you know you can write script or you can um, get hold of a free um, scraping what is called um, tools to grab everything including the graphics and the design of the of the website um, but if you look at it very closely you can easily tell um, this is not exactly the right website so is there's a way to tell very easily and therefore trained the employees who are unsuspecting to this attack for them to wash out and and make sure that they avoid that that's the traditional um, phishing this new attack um, have now been detected and it uses a different approach which is really very difficult for a typical user to identify what's going on it involves the use of a adversary in the middle and this adversary in the middle is a way to create um, a what is called a transparent reverse proxy so the same way that we use a proxy to um, scrutinize the connection of the employee going out to the internet and making sure what they download what they visit is further protected and scrutinized this one is a is the opposite of that therefore it's the reverse and that allows the attacker to gain access to existing um, sessions and sessions browser sessions those are the techniques or tool set built in into the browser that we're using to manage the connectivity from the user to the remote resources back and forth so that the connection isn't interrupted and the experience is smooth and therefore it creates cookies and sessions um, as we call it to make sure that these are um, persistent throughout that um, s- communication that is going on at that particular time and what this is doing is that it gains access to those sessions and silently essentially harvests the sensitive information that the user um, is entering saving um, essentially as they browse so rather than the user being directed in a traditional manner to a website that has been purposely built and made um, look like the typical um, destination that the user is familiar with this essentially is um, proxied um, so that the data is then harvested because there is something in the middle as i described earlier um, which essentially really um, is no different than the destination that the user was going to so it the user is going to the genuine website um, but something is sitting in the middle and therefore collecting that information that the user is um, um, sending back and forth so what you really do is to make sure that you really have a um, multi-factor authentication policies that are essentially scrutinizing not just the connection but includes extra checking such as the location such as the sanity of the machine that is u- the user is using so that you can posture assess the machine that the user is using the time the geographic location um, and also in addition as always training um, is always a good method although this is really 
a very sophisticated approach and therefore might be the, the training, but training is always helpful to make sure that the user really starts to suspect if something is or something is not um, essentially um, what it looks like. And, and, and the FIDO um, too, which is what the modern two-factor authentication is built upon, um, is, is solid and is what is really um, providing us um, the security that we need. The other thing to make sure is to not use SMS or phone call, essentially, um, that is built in into the MFA um, that you are using. The multi-factor authentication, i.e. MFA, um, does offer a phone call. So if you can move away from both the call as well as the SMS, um, that's definitely going to help and will go um, a long way. And finally look into the zero trust to make sure that you're really evaluating and always checking and verifying the connection that the user has made so that they don't have a free ride um, from there on the minute that they are authenticated. So if you put all of those together, um, I think you will be uh, better protected than just approaching MFA as a traditional multi-factor authentication. The United States Department of Commerce, National Institute of Standard and Technology, um, in short known as NIST, has announced um, the next generation of computation um, referred to quantum computing. What is quantum computing? Well, it's, a, it's an area that is emerging, heavily invested, and research um, that focuses on developing a replacement of the current traditional computing that we grew up with and and this fast developing area of computing technology is based on quantum theory um, which is the principle um, that explains the behavior of let's say energy and material at a very low level um, we're talking about atomic and subatomic levels um, these are all quantum mechanics um, fields, um, and computer use today um, can only encode or uh, express itself um, and the information it processes in bits, binary digits, and which is basically what we refer to zero and one, um, and that is basically restricting how many ways we can look at um, at something. Um, one. Two is enough, but we need more now. And quantum computing, um, on the other hand, uses a what is called a qubit, um, which is quantum bits, the same way as we have um, digital binary digit. Um, and quantum bits is shortened as qubit, Q-U-B-I-T-S. And this takes at the advantage of the um, quantum mechanics um, because they have... It has an ability to look at the particles that allows them to exist, and this is the important part, that allows them to exist more than one state. Um, so, like, one and zero, they can be one and zero at the same time. That's the critical part. Whereas digits, in terms of how computers work today, it can either be one or zero, not at the same time. And because we can do this level of existing at the same time, you can do and process much more information. The other thing is the power that comes with this is 
it grows exponentially with more qubit, quantum bits. So this is unlike the classical traditional computers where having more than, you know, um, more transistors only adds power linearly, right? It grows in a sort of a predictable fashion where this one, it just goes and shoots up. And that's what I'm referring to exponentially. So the whole thing is the domain of a discrete quantity of energy, um, really, um, that we're looking at um, and the frequency of how this energy is expressed um, and because it can express itself and be um, in two states at the same time, this phenomena is completely transforming how computers will operate. So NIST has chosen the first group of encryption, um, and I should highlight this deals with how to hide information because cybersecurity relies on the security triad. Um, you might have heard me saying that more than once before, and the triad is referred to um, confidentiality to make sure the information that you own or um, holding on behalf of others are only um, shown or be accessible to um, to the intended um, individual or individuals. So that's the confidentiality. The second um, leg of the triad, because um, it sits on three legs, um, it's the integrity. So the information that we're referring to that we need to make sure no one sees should also not be easily altered um, and modified and made it useless. So that's why we make sure um, that we um, don't allow anyone to basically change unless they need to. And if they do, then we need to know the state of that information before the change and what has changed and the end result after the change. So that's the integrity. And the other one is the availability. Um, and this is heavily impacted by what I'm talking about, you know, denial of service, making a server completely useless and not responding to the to the demand and the services that it should provide. So availability should be when you need that information, you should be able to access it. So combining confidentiality, integrity, and availability is really the bedrock of the um, data um, upholding. So this uh, new technology, quantum computing, deals with the confidentiality, um, which basically encryption technology is what allows us to um, to achieve that. So they have now um, started to choose a group of encryption tools that are designed to basically withstand the assault of um, try to really reveal information um, that has been encrypted. Um, because remember, um, as computer power increases, the heavy maths that are securing um, information, basically encryption, um, is going to be devastated by the power of machinery. So, and this is why the industry is moving away and towards more powerful, more hard-to-break um, way to maintain privacy um, and have that encryption. And the quantum computing has the potential to provide that in the future. So this essentially really um, prevents um, potential crack of the security that is used to protect privacy in, in our digital um, life. And with, as we move and heavily depend on more and more technology, I think it's paramount that this, of course, is pushed to the limit and brought forth as soon as possible. So they went ahead and, and chose a number of encryption algorithms, um, in total four, um, which will eventually become part of the 
the NIST, what they refer to post quantum cryptography standard, um, and they expect to be finalized in about a couple of years from now. And this is what they said, quote, Today's announcement is an important milestone in securing our sensitive data against the potential of future cyber attacks, quantum computers. And this was the Secretary of Commerce, Gina M. Remendo. She continued, thanks to NIST's expertise and commitment to cutting-edge technology, we are able to take the necessary steps to secure electronic information um, so U.S. businesses and I'm sure um, any businesses in the future can continue innovating while maintaining the trust and confidence of their customers, unquote. So what she's referring to, of course, is the, is the encryption here, because encryption uses mats, as I said, to protect sensitive um, information. And, you know, this includes, of course, as I said, website we serve and the email we send and the banks that we are accessing remotely um, through browser, etc. And what is behind all of this is the public key encryption system, as I said on the previous um, um, news um, piece that I've just talked about a few minutes ago. And this really lights on heavy maths um, that cannot be easily solved um, or is extremely complex to solve on a typical machine that is not available for everyone. Um, but of course, as we say, uh, with a lot of resources, you can go after those heavy maths. Um, so essentially, the sufficiently capable quantum computer, um, which will be based on different technology than the conventional one um, that we have today, could solve these maths problems quickly. So therefore, we need to come up with a different technology that is being leveled against those quantum computers, which they will not be able to um, to solve, because defeating encryption system would then mean solving the heavy maths, which then exposes um, that pieces of information. So these algorithms are designed for two main tasks for which the encryption is typically used. Um, general encryption used to protect information exchange, for example, across public network. Um, digital signature to make sure that we sign things in the traditional way, but this time in digital. And but also used for um, to identify people who want to authenticate. And there are four in total, and all four of the algorithms were created by, of course, people who are at the cutting edge of their field, um, and they have been collaborating from multiple countries and institutions to really make sure that we leave no stone unturned. And what are those? Well, there are um, the algorithms, some of them are for general encryption, um, and this is used when we access a secure website, the same way we do, so quantum computer will um, provide that, and NIST has selected a algorithm, and these are the names that you're probably going to get used to, crystal-skyper um, algorithm, so that's the first, among its advantages they've said, uh, you know, small encryption keys that two parties can exchange easily as well as, it, you know, the speed, um, because speed is extremely important when it comes to communication. So the, that's the general um, um, encryption requirement. For signing things such as digital signatures, um, and this is often used when we need to verify an identity and provide what is called um, non-repudiation. Um, you know, the things that you do, you can no longer deny. So something that provides that that merit um, um, and to identify um, the, the party who did that. Um, and this is basically the digital transaction assurance or to sign documents remotely. Um, DocuSign, I'm sure you've actually used that. There's a lot of um, involvement 
involved. So NISTA selected uh, three in the digital signatures, um, and these are the names, crystal-dilithium, Vulcan, and Sphinx Plus, right? And it's red bar as a Sphinx Plus. And, of course, this uh, high efficiency um, um, of the of the of the technology, especially the the first two, um, NIST um, recommends um, some o- o- over others. I'm sure you're not really interested in that, but I'm just making sure that you actually um, go ahead and dig a little bit deeper to go one level below than me just talking to you over a podcast. So to make sure that we cover ourselves from all angles, um, some of the um, the algorithms are based on certain maths, um, where our others are based on a different maths. Um, and this really just making sure that we have a safety net and a fallback to make sure if something goes bad that is not um, predicted, then we have a, an alternative to make sure that we are um, you know, quick at resolving the issue rather than making a mistake that impacts all the algorithms that has been selected. So that's why they differentiated how we approach and use different methods and models of maths um, to solve the, the problem. So as I said, that is just um, you know, really um, a, a propeller spinner quite um, in-depth technology that is coming up, quantum computing. Um, Read about it, get used to it, and I think um, as we move forward in time, you will definitely hear the crystal hyphen Kuiper, crystal stellinium, Vulcan, Sphinx Plus. Those are the technology that you're going to hear in terms of cryptography moving forward rather than RSA and DV Hellman's and... um, you know, SSL and etc. elliptic curve. Um, so these are the t- new breed of heavy maths based to solve the quantum computer um, threats against the modern, uh, against the existing traditional algorithm that we use for encryption. So exciting time ahead. And sadly, we have come to the end of the show. Thanks for joining me. And until next week, take care.